Are you a starter or a finisher? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, think about the number of books that you've read in the last year. How many of them did you start and how many of them did you finish? Or think about the TikToks you've watched recently. How many did you start and how many did you finish? Shout out to amateur theologian right there. Or if you're not a reader and you're not into TikTok, think about the home projects you've done in the last 10 years. How many did you start and how many did you finish? I'm a chronic starter, confession, this morning. Last May, I began to update our master bathroom from a beige color palette to a gray color palette. Started with the floor and got that knocked out in two days. Looks great. My wife, Rachel, she ordered all of the materials I'd need to do the countertops and the backsplash, that was next, and they've sat in my garage since last May. I'm a chronic starter. My wife, on the other hand, she is a finisher. We recently got a puppy. His name, yeah, look at that. His name is Marlow, which is the name of my hometown in England. He's a mini labradoodle. And as part of his training, my wife has been taking him to puppy school. And for a whole variety of reasons that I won't go into, it hasn't been the best experience. In fact, after week three, she came home and she was so frustrated about how that week's session had gone. And because I'm a starter and not a finisher, what did I tell her to do? Quit. I said, don't worry about the money. It's just not worth your time. Don't bother seeing it through to the end. But my wife is a finisher, and so come hell or high water, she was going to finish puppy school. And so last Monday, Marlowe graduated from puppy school with his doggy diploma. There you go, yeah. Uh, sorry about the censorship there, I wanted to erase the name of the puppy school because I didn't want to publicly disparage them uh, to all the people here and online. Let's just say it didn't get any better, and so I was right, but don't tell my wife that. <laughs> my name's Alice. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Hill, and you're joining us in a series called Joy No Matter What. We're looking at a letter that was written by one of the early church leaders, Paul. He wrote it to the church in the Greek city of Philippi. And as Pastor Mark shared with us last week, this church, the Philippian church, was perhaps Paul's sweetheart church. He spoke so fondly of them in his letter. And one of the major themes in this letter is the theme of joy. Joy no matter what. And this morning, I want to bring you a message that I hope will cultivate joy in your life. And I'm going to seek to answer the question, is God a starter or a finisher? And as I do, my hope is that as you hear the answer to this question and the implications for your faith journey, that you will be encouraged, that you will be spurred on in your faith, and that you will find more joy in your life. So let's take a look at what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. We're, we're in chapter one, we're picking it up in verse three. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. As we heard from Pastor Mark 
Last week, Paul begins his letter by exuding his gratitude for the church in Philippi. Whenever he thinks about them, he thanks God, and as a result, his heart is filled with joy. Why? Because they've been partners with him in the proclamation of the good news about Jesus Christ. From the the very first day when Paul arrived, over 10 years ago, until the present time. And now, as we carry on reading, Paul goes on to answer the question I posed just a minute ago. Is God a starter or a finisher? Here's what Paul writes, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would speak to us through your word. Would your Holy Spirit illuminate it? Would your Holy Spirit empower me to speak it out? And would it glorify the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray? Amen. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, our our director of worship, Gunnar Tesdal, exclaimed in one of our services that here at Chapel Hill, we're Calvinists. And we gave him a little bit of a hard time for this, because I don't think we've ever referred to ourselves as Calvinists, and that term has been abused a lot over the years. But in truth, we do trace the heritage of our beliefs back to a man named John Calvin. He lived in Switzerland in the 16th century. I think we've got a picture, because that is what I call a beard. Anyone who doesn't have a beard like that, I think I saw one this morning out there. Someone's got a big beard here this morning. There we go. Yes, that is a beard. So Calvin was one of the leaders of what we call the European Reformation. It was a, a movement to reform the church in Europe, and his beliefs developed into what we now call Calvinism. And in case you spent a couple of weeks since Gunnar's comment wondering what it means to be a Calvinist, there's a helpful floral-based acronym that summarizes the main points of Calvinism, and that is TULIP, T-U-L-I-P, each of the letters standing for five main points in the belief system. If you want to find out what they are, you can go Google it. The only one we care about this morning is the P, and the P stands for the Perseverance of the Saints. And Paul's statement that we just read, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's statement we just read is the basis upon which we form that belief of the perseverance of the saints. And put simply, that belief is this, God is a finisher. God is a finisher. I wonder when was the first time you sensed God at work in your life? Maybe it's something you're sensing right now for the very first time. I remember when I was a high school senior, sensing God at work in a very real way in my life. It was kind of this one, two, three combo over the course of a weekend. Friday night, I was at a party in the Hellfire Caves when a friend of a friend invited me to church. Saturday, I went out again with some friends, and for a number of reasons, I was left feeling completely empty that night. And then Sunday, my parents dragged me to church. They only went a few times a year, but yet they dragged me there that particular Sunday. And so there I was with this hangover headache, singing these songs in this church. But as I look back now, 
that weekend was pivotal in my life. That was the weekend that God began a work in me, a work of transformation that has changed me and formed me into the person that I am today. So I wonder for you, when was it that you recall God first working in your life? Maybe, like I say, it's, it, it, you sense it happening right now, maybe for the first time. Because if you can recall a time when God began to work in your life, then I can guarantee you that he will finish that work. Why? Because God is a finisher. God finishes what he starts. As Paul writes, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God will finish what he starts. If he's begun a work of salvation in your life, he will bring it to completion. But let's be honest. There are times in our life when that's hard to believe, right? Times when if we did an honest stock take of the, of the way that we're living, of how things are going in our life, when, when we might actually doubt whether we're really following Jesus at all, whether this faith has really stuck Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you're there right now. Perhaps it's, it's because you've been gripped with anxiety or depression. I was speaking to a friend a couple of weeks ago who said that for two years of their life, they were, they were gripped by debilitating anxiety. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to take it away, but he didn't. Maybe that's what you're going through. Or maybe you're, you're gripped by an addiction that you, you, you just can't seem to get rid of. Maybe it's an addiction to, to a substance, alcohol or prescription medication. Or, or maybe it's an addiction to technology, to, to social media or, or your phone. Or, or maybe it's an addiction to spending money. You just can't stop spending money. Or maybe it's internet pornography. I had a friend in my small group in college who said once, I've just resolved that I'm never going to be free of porn. I know there are times in our life when it can be hard to believe that God will finish what he started. When it feels like the faith that, that began so strong, burning, so, so bright and clear is beginning to waver and might not make it. And if it isn't in your own life, then I wonder if it's in the life of one of your kids or your grandkids. A child who was brought up in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord who seems to have walked away. It can be hard to believe that God will finish what he started when we look at our lives or the lives of our kids. John Bunyan was another old dead guy named John. I'm all about the old dead guys named John today. He lived in 17th century England, and he wrote one of the most popular works of fiction in human history, The Pilgrim's Progress. It's the story of a man named Christian who journeys from his hometown, the city of destruction, to the celestial city atop Mount Zion. And, and it's an allegory of our journey of faith. At one point along this journey, Christian meets another man named Interpreter. And Interpreter's goal is to teach Christian the crucial truths that he needs for his journey of faith. Interpreter shows him this fire burning against a wall. 
and there's a man standing next to the fire, and he's dousing the fire with water. And yet what is so puzzling is that the flames of the fire are not going out. In fact, they're doing the very opposite to what you would expect. The flames of the fire are beginning to go higher and higher. And so Christian says to interpreter, what's going on? Can Can you interpret this for me? Not much subtlety in the naming in this novel. And interpreter says the fire is the work of God's grace in our hearts. And the person trying to douse the flames with water, that's the devil. He said, but what you don't see is that around the backside of the wall, there is a reason why the flames keep getting higher and higher. Because on the backside of the wall is a man pouring oil continuously into the flames. An interpreter said, that man is Jesus. You see, whatever might be happening on our side of the wall, whatever Satan might be doing to try and quench the work of God's grace in your heart or in the heart of your child, there is Jesus, hidden from our sight, pouring his oil of grace continuously upon the work of God in our life. Nothing can stop that flame from burning higher or brighter. No temptation of the world or the flesh or the devil, no indwelling sin in our heart. Nothing can prevent the work that God began from being finished. God is a finisher. And do you know what that means? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Whatever you might be facing, whatever Satan might be doing in your life right now to try and drag you down, to try and stop the work of God, whatever waters he's pouring on top of the flames of God's grace in your heart, our God is continuing to pour oil again and again and again on those flames. And those flames of God's work in your life will continue to burn higher and higher and brighter and purer and cleaner. And that means that your tomorrow is better than your yesterday, that your end is better than your beginning, that your future is better than your past. We serve a God who is a finisher. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I know there's some of you listening and you're just, yes, Ellis, I believe it. I've got this. I've got that assurance. It's right there in my heart. And then there's others who are like, I just don't know. Like, I hear it up here. I see the picture and I understand it, but I don't know deep in my heart. Because right now, Ellis, it looks like that fire is about this big. It may even just be smoldering embers. And I I, I don't know if my faith is going to make it through the next month, let alone to the end of time. And if you're there this morning, I want you to know, firstly, you're not alone. And that that is why God has designed us to live in community together. This is not a faith journey of me and Jesus. This is a faith journey of us and Jesus together. You see, I wonder if the original recipients of Paul's letter, those Christians living in Philippi, I wonder if they were in that place themselves. I wonder if they were beginning to doubt if they were going to make it, that the oppression that was against them was too much and that they weren't going to make it through. And then along came this letter from Paul, their brother in Christ, to encourage them. This is what Paul writes if we keep reading verse 7. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. 
Do you know, have you, you ever had that moment where you just randomly start thinking about a person? And you're like, why am I thinking about them? And then, and then you just you start praying for them because, well, they're a person, so they have stuff. You know they have stuff that, that you can pray for. And so you start praying for them. And then maybe even you drop them a message just to say, hey, I wanted to let you know, God put you on my heart this morning, and I'm praying for you. I think that's what happened with Paul right here. God put the Philippians on Paul's heart while he was in prison. And so he said, I need to reach out to them, and I need to write them a message, and I need to encourage them that that the work that God has started, he will bring to completion. And not only is he encouraging them with that truth, but Paul's praying for them. Drop down to verse 9 and read with me. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and get this, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul is praying that they would get to that day of Christ pure and blameless, that they would see that truth that he just spoke about, that God will finish what he has studied, that they would see that truth come to fruition in their life, that their love would grow, that the the flame of God's grace in their heart would burn higher and brighter, that they would become purer and cleaner, that flame wouldn't be filled with soot and, and carbon, but it would be bright and clean and pure, and that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness on the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was praying for them the very truth that perhaps they couldn't believe themselves. He was praying that God would work in their life to witness the reality of the truth that he just proclaimed. The best is yet to come. And so maybe if you're here today and you're one of those people who's like, I've got this. Yes, God is a finisher. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. Woo! The best is yet to come. If that's you, I wonder who it is in your life that you might need to have faith for because they can't have it for themselves. I wonder who it is in your life that you might need to pray for because they don't have the words to pray for themselves. I wonder who it is that you might need to reach out to and encourage today because they don't have the courage to take another step in this journey of faith. You know what, if, if, you've, if you've got this, if yes, amen, that assurance, I've got it. Then right now, I want you to start praying for whoever it is that God's laying on your heart. You don't even need to listen to what I'm gonna say in the next couple of minutes. Just start praying right now for that person. In fact, if you've, if you've got them already and you know who they are, grab your phone here in service. I give you permission to take your phone out and send them a message. Say, God put you on my heart this morning and I'm praying for you. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. And then there may be people here this morning who don't know whether their faith is going to get them through the next month. People whose faith is wavering. It started strong, but today it just feels like there's embers. There's nothing there. Well, I want to pray for you this morning because I have confidence that God will finish what he's started, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And so I want to pray for you the same way that Paul prayed for the Philippians. So maybe we could all pray right now. Maybe close your eyes, bow your heads. And wherever you are, if you're here, you're at home, watching online, if you're in a position where you're sensing that opposition of Satan against you, you're sensing that that the flames are dwindling, 
in your heart. And you this morning want to have faith, more faith, that God is going to finish what he started. And you'd like to be prayed for. I want to invite you, just reach out your hands in front of you. Just put them out in front of you. Open them up. I'm going to pray right now that God would pour out that oil upon the fire of his work in your heart. Father, I pray for any person here in this room, watching online, any person who is in that place, that you would meet them right where they are, that you would pour out your oil upon the flames of your work, that they would sense even now you at work changing them and transforming them. In your word, it says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so I pray against any weapon of the world, flesh, or the devil that might be against that person right now. And we command it to go in the name of Jesus. And would you bring your Holy Spirit now to enliven them, to revive them, to empower them, that they may step forth in boldness encourage and in faith that you are a finisher that the best is yet to come that their future is brighter than their past Jesus give us faith this morning we pray where we do not have it we believe help our unbelief we pray in the name of Jesus Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Our worship services are Sundays at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. We'd love to meet you. To learn more about Chapel Hill and find out about upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org. I stand.